Hello, everybody. Welcome into Inside LAFC. Max Bredos, Vince LaRosa. How's it going, Vince? How about Sunday? I was a wreck on Sunday. Really? You shouldn't drink that much tequila. I told you. Take it easy, <laughs> yeah, especially no, at 2 in the afternoon. Nothing to do with the game. I was just... I was exhausted before the game even started because, I mean, we are all kept really busy. And I was just like, oh, boy. I wasn't calling the game, but you just keep up appearances. Yeah, where were you? So uh, the, the press box was very professional and quiet without you. I know. I tried to stay. I, I was around, but I, I had my wife and son always there. I had a couple friends who were there. Uh, earlier on, we showed some British uh, media members around, and I'm glad we did because I saw a really cool article about LAFC in the Daily Mail re- written by one of them. So if you type in Daily Mail MLS, it might pop up. Type in LAFC. And then um, they had the North End's visits, but uh, – so the folks at Fox reached out, and Matt Leinart was going to be there. I said, hey, he'd be a good one for the North End visit. So I kind of was with him and showed him around. It was really cool to see how excited, but I was down on the field with him for a bit. Snuck him in for a North End visit. I was uh, walking him over, and he was all excited. And then he sees Kareem Abdul-Jabbar go in front of him. He goes, there's no way I'm following him. I go, yeah, you are. Yeah. We're going right now. He goes, there's no way. There's no one in the place going bananas. Well, that his announcement, I mean, I know that was before that, but his announcement as Falconer is the loudest one I've heard. It was pretty cool. And by the way, Ollie really crushed it today. Yeah. He, that place was going. That was the, the best atmosphere. And I'm not, I don't think I'm surprising anyone. Maybe a couple of you. But that was the best atmosphere I have encountered there. It was electric. I remember the home opener. There was, it was great, but it was still all this new stuff. How do I react? What's the right? This felt like the club's been there for years and everyone was where they were supposed to be. I will also add, uh, let's go in chronological order. The 3252. Being on the field when they revealed Paradise City, and I thank you because I've been singing that song nonstop. Take me down to Paradise City, where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Oh, won't you please take me home? Have you been? That's a great jam. Max, do you have a Guns N' Roses story? I don't have a Guns N' Roses story, but uh, I, I might be so much time in LA. I, I might be seeing him at Austin City Limits yeah. in October if I ever book that flight after I do this Fish concert in Colorado this weekend. De- so definitely spent plenty of time at the Rainbow Room. Oh, I love played, the Rainbow. You get good deals at the Rainbow Room. Yeah, played, good steakhouse too. Played the whiskey. Played the Cat Club. Played a lot of their old haunts. But no, I don't. I don't have. No. I actually don't have. I've never ran into Slash. That's oddly enough. I've ran into a lot of rock stars, but never ran into Slash or anyone from Guns N' Roses. No, I trust. I, I, I the Rainbow Room. If there's a banding concert that you like, rock, heavy metal, it's good to go there because they might pop in there. Because that's happened to me many times. I saw Billy Gibbons as ZZ Top. I saw Steve Harris. We're going way offline here, but uh, that's the place to go if you're a band. Oh, I saw the drummer from U2. I can't remember his name. I told my friend who loved U2 and my friend who lived Wait, in, is Adam Clayton in Malibu. Wait, is Adam Clayton or is he the bass player? No, that's, Ad- that's the bass player. <sighs> anyway. Not a U2 fan. But I saw that thing come out with the music and I was... Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about the tifo. Swirly. Because I, what, I, what I, I think that people fail to recognize, and for all the people that didn't get it, Guys, look up Guns N' Roses and where they're from yeah. and what, what they're... I mean, I, I would say that they are the L.A. band. The only possible exception would be The Doors. Van Halen? Eh. Sorry, I'm loyal to my guys. No, I love Van Halen, but I would say Van Halen's maybe just one rung below both those guys. That, they're the valley. Yeah. It's the valley right well, there. Then and I just think for as big as they were, it, I mean... Guns N' Roses saved rock and roll and like kept it going for a little that bit. Out, there's two albums they had were just unbelievable yeah. and uh, great and live. They still are huge earners. I was looking at the Forbes top entertainments. I think they were in the top 20. So they're touring and making a crap load 
of money. But we talk about TIFOs and a lot of people were like, why well, wasn't it soccer related, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it's a culture related. We do culture. But I think one of the things that are- But that, they've done two music TIFOs. They're two biggest TIFOs, yeah. Freddie Mercury well, Freddie and Mercury Guns N' Roses. Fantastic. But then I think the one thing people are missing is it wasn't just a TIFO, although the TIFO was ginormous. Three pulley system, fantastic job by everyone to get that up, to, to put that together, to have it pulled up through the pulley system. But there was smoke. There was lights. There was drums was that were production. that were working with the drums. I mean, that is a multimedia presentation for a TIFO. That's, I mean, you got to think how much was goes so into loud that. too, which was I, great, and it was perfect. Uh, to your point, like every time I see it, I filmed it from field level. People were filming it from the roof. People were filming from everywhere. Every photo I saw cool. came out good. There wasn't a bad photo because mm -hmm. it was so expansive. It was like taking a photo of the ocean yeah. or some cliffs. You can't take a bad one because it's so enormous. Yeah, the skyline was great. It was, it was just perfect. And then the first two minutes then of the match. Then the game right? and then... Where did you, so where did you watch the match from? I, at the beginning, I saw with some friends, there was like a, a temporary media area on the north, sorry, the south Sorry, the northeast side of the stadium. When I was there, I saw Kevin Costner go by. I was like, wait, where are you going? He's like, yeah. I go, you should do a north end visit. He goes, Kevin Costner. Which to me sounded like, yes. Hey, <laughs> we can do a north end visit with Kevin Costner, but let's let's not let him direct it or write it. or Waterworld. Waterworld. He still gets it done. Yeah. Uh, we do a dance. I mean, you just Wolf think about Sal his body work. But there's like, this is what's cool about that. There's actors that a lot of time the people you see, they're invited by the club and they're giving that. But this is a guy who kind of showed up on his own. He said, I want to be part of it. He's with his family. And that's success. That shows you what's going on. But I was watching it there, and then, you know, as we're settling in, bang, bang. I, was, I just couldn't – it's, you know, it was a very helpless feeling at the beginning. And – but as, as many – as those lows were early, the amount of highs – and I know you want to win that game. It's uh, – to find a response to go down 3-1 was – was uplifting and there's always a feeling that they could win that game late too yeah it's it's my job to actually tweet out when the opposing team scores so if you like those really bland tweets when Zlatan scores that's that's from from me to you uh the first one goes in and uh I just kind of sat there actually and Rosen looks at me and goes you're gonna you're gonna tweet it out I go oh yeah we gotta do a job so I, yeah. I mean we were all just it was just one of those things where it was like I there's such a buildup. It was so beautiful. Everything was there. And then that, that it was the gut punch of all gut punches. Yeah. And I just think the first one happened so quickly. You didn't believe it happened. The first one happened quickly. It was, it's tough. I mean, it's a, it's a tough goal. A lot of people were like, what happened? I had people running to me like, how could that, how did they get this wrong? Who messed up? How was he so wide open? I mean, if you want to look at it tactically, it's, it's Walker having to step up into space. Eddie wondering, not wondering, but Eddie trying to decide, okay, Zlatan's bending his run and Zlatan, you have to give him credit for how well he, just kind of bent that run, run, run along the line to stay on side. Eddie's deciding, when do I step up to pull him off? That's such a fine margin. The pass comes right at the, right at the perfect moment. Uh, and then the finish. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, tough finish. I yep. mean, when you, there was a shot from like close to field level, and you see the kind of bend that he gets on that, especially on a low shot. Pop it into that near post. That's what he does. He's a talent. There's, a, there's no doubt about it. And he came to play, and he's, you know, he gets goals, was it seven and eight? against or six yep, and seven, seven and uh, eight seven and eight against uh, LAFC in this very new short rivalry but uh, you know you could always say uh, could have should have would have done it earlier and maybe things probably things could have been done a little would have been done a lot a lot cleaner but um a different story in the second half and I don't want to jump I'll be jumping around all over the place but the adjustments were made and LAFC looked at gates because even down those early moments you could fear the worst. There was, you know, guys arguing with the refs, guys are discussing things with each other. 
the stadium was still going and everyone's worst possible th- thoughts are oh we can't lose this at home and you know the LAFC found a way but it was a it was such a it felt like it lasted 10 hours that game it was so so many moving parts Brian Rodriguez comes in as well and uh I was really impressed with how Zlatan was as ubiquitous as he was in the first half disappeared disappeared in the second half and I, I'd give Eddie Segura a lot of that credit because he was he was chasing him around, and he was locked in on that. that I mean, it was a, it was a team effort. It was a, the ability to then play your game and basically make Zlatan say, "Hey, if you want this ball, come and get it." And he's like, "I don't want to go and get it." Um, I mean, let's talk a little bit about what what went wrong. I, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, the guys weren't ready; they were nervous. Bob had an interesting take on it, which when I rewatched the game, it makes a lot more sense. In when you see these goals kind of come about, is after that first one, the guys wanted to really just, they were like, this, no, I'm putting our foot down, we're going to win it. But they were trying to win it all in one go. Yeah. And so you're seeing passes that, here's the thing, here's the way LAFC want to play. They want to move as a unit, they want to pass as a unit, they want to be in a, in a concerted effort to move up the pitch. And the reason why you want to do that is because in those moments where maybe something does not come off, you have guys up the pitch that are close enough that they can react. The problem with wanting to win it all in one master stroke, you know, wanting to always hit that Edward Atuetza pass that breaks two lines, beats five guys, sets the guy through, is when that does not come off, which was the problem. Those passes were not coming off. These are passes of 15 yards and longer, where if you're passing it and it's not coming off, it's almost impossible to then get close to a team. And on the flip side, you have a Galaxy team that says, we're going to have numbers behind the ball. We're actually going to wait for these moments. And then once we get it, we're going vertical. We're going right to Pavon. We're going right to Zlatan, who's already going to be high up the pitch. And so you got you got a turnover. You got you're trying to close the gap on a turnover, and you're basically just kind of running into a space, which is playing into the hands of them now passing it back through the other way. So I think when we look at the the way the match played out, there was two moments where the LAFC could have imploded. the The first goal, and they were able to get that back. The but third. then they kind of imploded again. Yeah. I thought, look, I thought Galaxy was, LFC, really fortunate to be down a goal at the break. I mean, this was one, it should have been two. It was like, that when they were up 3-1, it just felt, I mean, it didn't felt like they couldn't pull it back. You were hoping for a goal in the first, at the end of the first half. They got a scrappy one, they did it. But even then, I was thinking, I go, uh, Galaxy deserved to be in front. They took their chance as well. Mm-hmm. And they have to be at some point going, man, we... We should well, be in a better situation right now. For them, they look at it there's like three one. Any other team, game over, right? Yeah. Like we've won this. This is great. But that, I think that's a that's a sign of this team that you know LAFC. You got to put in four one, five one. You've got to kill this team before halftime, and they didn't, right? And LAFC looked a little bit better, uh, you know, rounding into half. I think that goal is slightly fortunate, but at the same time, they were definitely starting to really get a hang for the game. They were passing around, and then in the second half, what I really like to see in uh. Bob will probably yell at me for saying this. It's it almost seemed uh, Maurizio Sarri esque, where LFC was saying, "All right, let's let's let them come at us a little bit. Let's let them build." I was sitting with some of the guys in the press box, and they're like, "Why are we, why are we passing around in the back so much?" I go, "That because they're confident. They're confident that they can make these passes in the back. They can find the next man, and then that's what has Laton running around forever. That's what's opening up channels. That's where point. that's where you have Mark Anthony K and you have Edward Estuesta now instead of." looking for a long ball at the back with a packed Galaxy side behind them, they're actually running into space. And they're finding Carlos Vela on the move. And that second half was, it was a clinic. A clinic in how to build from the back, how to move up a, the team as a unit, and basically how to put a team under pressure. And, and Bob said, the, the fourth was there for us. We did not get it. They'll hopefully learn from that. Um, but I think that they've learned that, hey, 
you can't get it all back in one. You know, there's, there's these little lessons, and I think I wrote about it, and I hope the people really take this for what it is. Bob Riley was disappointed. He said he's not going to sugarcoat. He said this is an important match to us. We know it's important to our fans. We know this stings, and it stings us. And how, hey, look, the fans we talk to, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the fans you talk to, they I was a little surprised how, I mean, I know it's a big game, but, you know, you always figure, hey, the goal is MLS Cup. But they were really, many times, just locked in on this result, and almost nothing else mattered. And it doesn't. Yeah. I know that is your prisoner of the moment, but that's what it felt a lot with the conversations I was having. Yeah, in those 24 hours, and I would say that if you're still feeling that way, maybe read some of the stuff, because at this point I'm going to make, I think it encapsulates exactly what we want to be as a club. Bob said, look, it stings. It hurts. We don't want to go through this. We don't want to do this. And he even didn't duck the question when they said, would you like to see them in the playoffs? He goes, yeah, we have great games. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, why wouldn't you want to see them in the playoffs? We have great games. Everyone loves it. The atmosphere is fantastic. We really bring it. We know it'll be here if it happens. Um, But he said, look, for not being able to beat the Galaxy, it hasn't hampered anything else we've done. So if you look at it from that point of view, I mean, he's 100% correct. I mean, you, he, we have not been able to beat the Galaxy in five tries, although the Galaxy only have two wins. Let's not, let's not make yeah. it out to be a, a four win and one draw. Yeah, this but he is... said it has not stopped them from progressing to the club that they want to be, which he's 100% correct. 57 points in the first season, record-breaking season, weren't able to beat the Galaxy next season. Did we falter? No. They've taken a, a, an actual huge step forward, and they're looking to Supporter Shield, and they're saying MLS Cup or bust. They're saying all the right things, and they're saying – Bring on the Galaxy in the playoffs because we want we yeah. want to. Do you win think everyone's be saying that? I want to say that. I with these some people like, oh, let's avoid the Galaxy or let's make the Galaxy not make the playoffs. I think the Galaxy are going to be in the playoffs, maybe comfortably because of the arrival of Christian Pavone, who continues to look better mm-hmm. and better, and he he looks like a good foil with Zlatan. I think that's a hard marriage to make sometimes when you're with Zlatan. But this is a guy who's confident. He's like, I, I've done it, and this is what I do, and I'll break down players, and now. That will benefit Zlatan. That will benefit the Galaxy, who I think will get some wins down here. And I would welcome that. I would love, I love not just because of what I experienced Sunday, but I think LAFC, because of this practice, because of this, will have a, sh- a shot to get over the hump at the best possible time. Yeah. I mean, if you can knock them out of the playoffs, like, like that's an interesting take, too, right? So let's and, say we and had. The Galaxy have never won at Bank of California Stadium. They have never won at two Bank games, California Stadium. But they haven't won. And let's, let's say. And they that, probably should have won Sunday. Yeah. And let's say that they win Sunday, but then we had lost in the playoffs. So, I mean, what, what, would, what would be better for this team psyche? Knocking them out of the playoffs or, you know, it, it, I, I would say this. I'm of the mind that, sure, I'd love the Galaxy not to make the playoffs just because it's funny. Yeah. But if I'm they not, do. I want, all, I want all L.A. in the playoffs. Do, I want L.A. to ro- own the playoffs. Yeah, if they do, that, that, that game will be fantastic, I think. And it, it will be everything we want. And we talk about being a club that wants to bring this league forward. Games like that will bring this league forward. So we should want that game. We should want to win it. And that way we can say that when it comes all said and done, and if we do happen to, at the end of the season, lift that trophy, we can say, well, we beat you to get there. So you've got nothing. You've got nothing on us. Because if they don't make the playoffs and we beat, uh, let's say we beat RSL and we beat uh, Portland and then we beat Atlanta, everyone's always going to say, yeah, but you still didn't beat us. So I I don't think it matters in the end, really. Emotions are running high, but man, it could have been so much worse. That could have been a defeat. That could have been... Uh, a very rare home defeat. Well, we've had three home losses in all competitions this year to Portland. Yeah, Port- Real Salt Lake in the playoffs, and we had only one regular season, one regular home, season loss, and home loss, one in open cup, one in playoffs. So yeah, we've the. I mean, that would have been. And then you got to take your hat off to LAFC for you know they they put themselves in a bad position, but they got themselves out of it. 
and it's not a defeat. So you have that record relatively intact. Uh, the Carlos Vela, uh, this was a fascinating to watch from afar where he injured. This is, again, a, you see how much this team, this game means to him, despite discussions. I know I texted you during the game. We said that. I know. Stop it, It people. means the world to him. And he I would was, say before the injury, you could yeah. tell how much it meant to him. Look at him and when they, he scored that goal to did, tie the match. Yeah. And he got he's a little a little jab at Zlatan with a the celebration there with the arms out. I think that's what that was. Nah, that's just Carlos. That's he Carlos. He he loves. Look, I, I I can't reiterate enough, and I can't try to tear down this story enough. But let's just end it. But at the same time, we're ending it here. Let me just say this: He loves those fans, and he loves when he scores in that end to just be able to feel it, just feel that. It's gotta There's got to be an energy, like a wave of energy that comes from it. But yeah, you're right. That that little like novella that played out was. For the people that maybe were still in the camp, but he doesn't care. You, come on. Okay. And we're, by the way, we're recording this podcast on a day. I'll let you know. We, we're just transparency here. It is Wednesday. So while we're doing this, they're probably giving Carlos a long look to see how. He's getting treatment. He's getting treatment to see. I mean, I think most of us feel probably a good spot to, to, to give him a break because it's been a heavy workload. But knowing Carlos, he probably will, if he could play, he's going to play. Yeah, with what I was told and what we reported was he has a minor hamstring injury. They're going to keep looking at it. I think with this instance, it's one of those things where you give a guy treatment. You say to him the next day, how do you feel? Okay. Say to him the next day, how do you feel? You do another scan. It's all going to depend on how he reacts to treatment. Carlos, we've known him to have little niggling injuries throughout the season that he, we thought he might be out for an extended period of time and wasn't. So I would say that it could, it could go either way. This might be a chance this weekend to give him a break. And and I, I'd say the history of our medical staff is hamstrings are no joke. Yeah. We don't take we well, don't take you them see lightly. someone grab the back of the hamstring. Although we didn't really see him. It was a little uh, uh, less noticeable. But when you do that, you know, you figure, yeah, it's a week, maybe two. Yeah. Depending on that. But uh, it just that react, that was a f- just fascinating drama to see that. And uh, Carlos Vela. But what uh, happened after? We saw Brian Rodriguez. We saw Brian Rodriguez, and on top of it, to, to kind of round out that story, oh, to, with, with, afterwards, just, Carlos did thank Bob Bradley for taking him out. Yes, and he did sit there on the sideline. He cheered on his teammates with the, the bib, you know, for star player with the bib. I'm here. I'm, yeah. I'm on board. With the ice he had to get the his wait, leg. He had to wait a, few, a little bit of time, but that was they gave, him a, they gave him a chance to run on there, and that's, you know, you have to take your hats off the coaching. Maybe the decision it was always to take him out, but they let him go. They saw it. Bob, and I'm telling the guys, they go, all right, that's it. And they had a discussion. We don't know what was said, but there's something there. I would imagine something along the lines like, we, we, we need you there's a bigger for the picture. long haul. There's a bigger picture. You did great here. You, got, you, you have left your mark on this game. I don't think all of this was said. Hey, we get Brian Rodriguez in there as well. Yeah, coaches have to coax sometimes or just put players in Tough a position. Tough decisions. Well, they have to, their job is to, one, put players in the best position to do their absolute best. And at the same time, maybe sometimes pull them out of situations where they can't. And that was Bob's. That was Bob's choice. He that that decision lays with him alone. Um, Carlos can be upset with it, but he immediately pulled him in there. And I think Bob would admit he would have been weirded out if Carlos just kind of sulked off and walked away. Right. This is as you think about it. This the season could be historic for Carlos Vela. He now with 27 goals, only one player last year, Joseph Martinez, has scored more goals in a single season. So he will be able to pursue that, even if he doesn't play against Minnesota on Sunday. He has a ton of games to do that, and we'll be on board to see this journey. So uh, all it's all it, it all ended well, and you hear the you have the word minor and anything injury related with Carlos Vela. That's a win. Okay. Yeah. 
So uh, let's let's touch on uh, Brian a little bit about what he was able to do and. You know, a lot of the comparisons you'd hear, it's like Andre Horta came onto the game there and obviously didn't go so well and he maybe wasn't in the right space to perform. But in Brian Rodriguez, you see a guy with the bit between the teeth. I could see him on the sideline just because he was going to come in earlier and then the Vela injury kind of altered everything. Right. So uh, he comes in and just took that challenge. I mean, everyone's like ooing and eyeing. He looks like the, he so much pace, taking on defenders. Did he... Did he get stuck on an island a couple times? Sure. Did he go right when he should have gone left? He hit that one ball over there on a pretty poor cross. He was taking corner kicks a lot of the time. Yeah. So responsibility put on his shoulders. You cannot walk away from that and not be impressed. Yeah, to go from being a guy that has a couple training sessions under his belt to being tasked with taking set pieces. on, And one of his set pieces, that one that went to Walker, that was headed down, that nearly was put in by Dio. I mean, that was a fantastic yeah. delivery on a corner. And I would say, yeah, I agree with you. He There was moments where... He kind of got himself on an island, but I would say for his credit, he has the ability to get himself out of pressure enough to at least move the ball along to the next spot. Yeah. Maybe it didn't. Maybe he kind of ran into a dead end, a cul-de-sac, but he was able to kind of pull back out of it, maintain nice control. Drop of cul-de-sac. Yeah, cul-de-sac. I go in, I'm coming right back out. I live on a cul-de-sac. I'm Vince LaRosa. But he, yeah, his ability with the ball at his feet was... It, uh, you could see why apparent. he's an LAFC player. He, he yep. said, that's an LA, that's what it that's what LAFC wants in their players. Yeah, the, to to have a guy that's proactive. He wants to be on the ball. He has the ability to to work inside to create his own shot, which he did a couple of times. Has the ability to work towards the outside to get a cross in and knows, hey, you know, he had the one bad cross. But other than that, he kind of sent low crosses, which are smart with this team. Um, there were some moments where he, aside from having the ball and getting into those kind of dead-end moments, he, he didn't know which run to maybe make, didn't know what where to be. Didn't necessarily know exactly how to pressure the ball right off the bat, but that makes that obviously makes sense. And you look at him, and you, you could tell he wants to learn. Like I would say that that to me might be the biggest um, plus is that he has that look on his face where he's like, I want to do well and I want everything. And it's no, I don't, I don't want to like harp on Andre too much, but sometimes Andre didn't have that. I, I I'm glad you said it because that's certainly what I was thinking as well, and that's. Maybe again, maybe it wasn't in the right headspace. It wasn't the right timing for Andre Horta, but it certainly appeared for a guy Brian Rodriguez ready to take on this next chapter of his life. So it was good, and we it was great to see a new player get in there. We really haven't had too many of these situations with new players. Not yeah. last year, the eleven has been the eleven for a it's, while. It's excited to see a new player, and we're gonna have at some point. We'll find out pretty soon when uh, Diego Palacios to be the next. I have some info on Diego Palacios. It's a good chance. He may be in LA on Sunday, which we not, have, which we have a game on Sunday. He will not be in uniform. Not the 18, but he will be. Cool. But he may be visiting, and we may come we by may and say hello. Him. So good, good chance. If not, if not, then he will definitely be in the United States by September 5th because Ecuador plays Peru at Red Bull Arena, and he will be a part of that. So we will see one way or another. Full Ecuador international. Full Brian Rodriguez Ecuador international. under no Brian Rodriguez full Uruguay international. It was Edward who's going to be yeah. under 23s. And we're going to talk about all of that. We're, we're we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll talk about the, the release of the now the official MLS Cup playoffs. And we'll talk a little bit about Minnesota United coming off a disappointing loss in the U.S. Open Cup. A good team, but we'll see how they will be prepared for the challenge on Sunday as LAFC looks to get back to their winning ways. But when we return, an interesting conversation with Mitchell Monahan. Yeah. Team advisor, team all, guy who does all... He does the dirty work. You want to know how players get to literally where we're sitting? It's all him. 
We are pulling back the curtain on all things LAFC. This is where you can hear it on Inside LAFC. Please subscribe, leave comments. We all the reaction certainly on Sunday, and I was going to tell this people are going, "Hey, when are you going to drop the new pod?" I didn't hear that a few weeks ago. Wow, hearing that all the time now. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to mingle with people. I wish Impatience. I would. Impatience. So I'm, I'm glad that. You oh, we also stopped. Yeah, we stopped at the uh, the fan fest too. You've got to stop at the fan fest. I know. I got. I'll, I'll be out there Sunday. Good. All right, everyone. We'll be back. Mitch. We'll talk to good old Mitch. Much more LAFC ahead. Here we are back at Inside LAFC. It's Max and Vince and our guest today. And you give, because I asked you once, this is Mitchell Monahan, who uh, I'll ask you once your title was and go, what don't I do or something to that effect. So could you give us your job title? It's, it's pretty interesting what you do with the club. My official job title is team coordinator. Uh, it's also... That's, yeah, that could be pretty vague. Yeah. <laughs> team coordinator, team admin. Um, I essentially say it's anything logistical with the team from getting players and staff from point A to point B. So housing, flights, visas, green cards, hotels, buses, team meals. Some of those things are a little harder than others to get. Yes. <laughs> He's a fixer. He's a fixer. He's the wolf. Yeah. He's the wolf. He's the old from, school fixer. So I, I imagine then you've been uh you've got nothing to do this past few weeks, right? Uh, just been nothing. Out? Just been hanging out, watching some soccer, so yeah, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> just sitting on the team bench, chilling with the guys, you know, cracking jokes. Cracking jokes. I would add, like to add something that's a little bit off of uh, our, our conversation. We'll get back in on the rails here shortly, which is what we do. But we have a proliferation, uh, maybe one too many sets of twins within the club, and uh, we have the Orozco's, Rich and his brother, and then we have the Parishes, uh, Jeff, who does a lot of the artwork. Boo, Jeff. Boo Jeff, and then his brother, who are identical. And now, I wasn't aware of it, but you have a twin. I do. I have an identical twin brother. Ian. Ian. Yes, and Ian was you there. You weren't for- aware? I didn't know he had a twin. Oh, we should have never told him. This could have gone no, on for I so much longer. No, I found out. They walked by each other and go, hey, oh. and I said, are you guys related? Was, uh, <laughs> classic Max joke. classic. <laughs> hey. Yeah, our typical response is, like, hey, are you guys brothers? It's like, no, we're sisters. Oh, hey. that's how fist fights start. Go, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds effects of fights. What's it like having a twin? Uh, I love it. <laughs> Did I, I mean, make that question? I, I love every, it. I, everyone, so this is everyone's like, oh, what's it like being a twin? And my response is just like, I don't know, what's it like not being a twin? It's all I've ever really known is being a twin. And you're very I've, lucky. You have a best bud right there. Yeah, at your I, beck and call. Exactly. I had someone to always hang out with, someone to always play with. We have three sisters as well, and so um, it was a lot of us against them. So we kind of had a, we figured out early on, we had a band together. If we wanted to get anything done, it was, we just got to team up on them. So good, good numbers. Five, uh, five brothers and sisters, big family, big family, Irish family. Good for your parents. Cause you, with the next generation, you have a lot of kids to take care of them when they get older. I yeah. have one child and that's a big this job. Is Max's only worry is amount of children he needs to have to take care of him because he knows his body's going to break down any It's not going to be good when I get older. My youngest sister is a <laughs> senior in college and so the, my mom is going through empty nest syndrome right now where Aww. she's looking for any excuse for kids to come over and just hang out so there's some noise. I mean going from five kids to none has been a it's lot. It's not fair. You guys are you guys are kind of messed up doing that to her. I know. <laughs> Team field trip to the Monahans. We got yeah. a bunch of kids out there on the pitch right now. Yes. Yeah. Next time we're up in Portland, we do a family barbecue over there. You guys can come. Right. It's weird that you're from Portland because, you know, there's the Timbers LAFC rivalry. So uh, you're here with your Portland Trailblazers shirt and it just takes some getting used to. 
Yeah. But you're all LAFC, bro. All LAFC. Uh, yeah, born and raised in Portland. Huge Trailblazer fan. Huge basketball fan. Uh, used to work for the Timbers and made my way down south. Thought the sun was a little bit better than the cold. So Smart. Mm. Yeah, it's been good. So we get, let's get into the job, Why we brought you, you here. You, you start rock, rock well, and roll. I, I think the best place to start is, and one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on, and one of the reasons I talked to Will Kuntz about possibly having you on is, there's so much that goes on from the second that those guys say, done deal, sign the piece of paper, to that player actually physically stepping foot I mean, even in California. So if you could maybe just give us a little bit of a timeline and maybe we'll use Brian as a yeah, good that's example. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's actually really funny is uh, be, being behind the scenes, yeah, you go through all the steps and realize how much it takes to bring a guy from out of market into market. And I always think that's funny when news breaks that we sign a guy and people are already speculating, oh yeah, let's get him in. He'll, he'll be ready for the game this weekend. I'm like, the game's in 48 hours. Like, <laughs> come on. It's pretty, that's what people, it, those are the expectations. Yeah. And, and yeah, well, they have no idea. That's why I want to talk to you. They have no idea. Yeah, actually, before you break it down, what was, what was your idea of how a transfer goes down until you learned what really happens? You know, I, I don't really think about it. I, like growing up, going to sporting events, you don't realize how much stuff goes on behind the scene to put on a 90-minute match. I mean, there's days of preparation. I mean, not from just the team side, the tactical side, but stadium operations. I mean, ticket sales, marketing, content, everything. There's so much stuff that goes in behind a 90-minute match. And so until I got into it, you, like people don't really realize it. Like They just show up, they drink, they have fun, and then they leave. And then there's teardown, there's post-game interviews, there's everything. Like There's a lot that goes into, into a game, and so... Uh, I mean, and one of the significant part of going into a game is players, like getting players here. And yeah, for instance, Brian, uh, we signed him and it's been an interesting time trying to get him here. So essentially what happens as soon as a, as a player is signed, we start working with the league's council to get everything approved by the U.S. government. So people don't realize that they're professional soccer players, but they that is their job they work so if they're out of the country they're an international player they need a work permit they literally yeah. need a permit to work here in the u.s and these are complicated times with all of that here in this country yeah we've got a great guy up at the uh at the white house that controls a lot of things that doesn't go in our favor so there's a lot of things that we have to work around and uh work with our immigration attorney on getting these guys here in a timely manner so brian so first thing that gets sent to you from official thing because you you the funny thing we talked we talked about this earlier is like you hear the rumors just the way I hear the rumors just the way everyone else hears the rumors and then you don't find out until what gets sent to you and you're like oh we got a new player yeah sometimes it's like yeah I I don't I don't really have inside secrets on oh yeah we have this guy we've got this guy it's like sometimes I'll see something online that says LAFC just signed Brian Rodriguez I'm kind of like wait what and uh, so usually that happens and I go to our, our GMs and say hey. Just seeing some rumors here. Is there any possibilities <laughs> that these are true? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. And then as soon as they go, oh, wait, yeah, this guy's deal is done. Here's his contract. Here's his passport. That's when we, everything starts working with the immigration attorneys. So we have to apply for their work permit. So we have to show why these guys deserve a permit to come work in the U.S. So whether they're being, like, yeah. Wait, you, so you show like a video tape? Look how good he is. Yeah, it's actually. <laughs> Look at this move. Our immigration attorney pulls together newspaper articles and like, or just articles online and say, look, this guy's a real deal. He's just not anyone. He's a young talent. Oh, he's come through the national team or the, um, he's played for these clubs. So they have to really show that they are worth a, a permit to come and be in the U.S. Do, the, do you think the folks, and this, you may not be able to answer this, but the folks who are making those decisions in Washington, D.C., 
are soccer savvy enough. I mean, I, I, I know nothing about it. I'm just curious that they're like, oh, okay, well, we uh, play for the under-20s at Uruguay. Let's, let's fast track Yeah, it. I really have no idea. My guess is some of them would be like, oh, yeah, that's big news. And some of them would be like, uh, I have, it seems like it's just another regular person to me. Oh, boy. So that's curious because while that is happening, you have the transition. And let's say Brian, Brian Rodriguez again. He's 19 years old. He's from Uruguay, which is not close to us whatsoever. This is the opposite end of the Americas. Probably take you eight, ten hours to fly down there direct if you wanted to. So when you when you think about that and the player, what does what do you do? What does this club do to to make it easier for him? To because I, I'm thinking I put myself in issues and I'm freaking out. I'm 19. Where am I doing this country? I know I'm a good soccer player, but this is a whole different world. Yeah. So I mean. I guess what we try and do is we try and bring him in to as soon as possible. I mean, there are legal complications of him being here and not training. We can bring him here to Los Angeles and they can start working on finding apartments and everyday life things. So let's look at houses. Let's look at cars. Let's kind of get you an idea of what LA is like. And it's at a that big city, it is a big city. That. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, some guys like the beach, some guys want to be close to the training facility. So there's a lot of different things you have to show them. The idea of telling them, Hey, traffic is, is a real thing here. Like everyone has ideas of LA traffic, but until you're here, until you experience it, you don't get to really realize like the beach sounds great until you're sitting in a car 45 to an hour every single day just for three hours of training. We didn't put tour guide on your, when we were naming off all your things, no. I guess you are a tour guide in a lot of ways. Yeah. A lot of, uh, yeah. And I, coming to LA, like I didn't really understand how big LA was until I really got here. Like grow up, come down here, go to Disneyland. And I think Disneyland's LA until you're here and you're Fair. like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You like, you watch those, uh, those NBA on NBC games and you'd see the Santa Monica pier and Disneyland. Oh, I got LA down pat. Yeah. Not that yeah. easy. And then you're here and you're like, Oh my gosh, this thing's a monster. <laughs> But uh, so once we get guys here and we can kind of sort them around, we still have to wait for documents to get done until they can physically step on the field and start playing with the team and start training. And so, for instance, with Brian's case, he was here. And um, once their work permit is approved, they have to attend an appointment at the consulate. So sometimes, depending on the timing of when the uh, work permit is approved, they'll do it in their home country of Uruguay or We'll send them up to Canada to go and do this consulate appointment because they have to do it outside of the United States. And so our plan with Brian was to get him here, get him situated so that by the time his work permit was approved, he goes out of the country for a couple of days and he comes back and we just hit the ground running. Um, and we kind of hit it a snag of Brian. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't always hit so perfectly. Yeah. Don't always stick the landing. It's yeah. no, no control out of your, controls out of your hands in many ways. Yeah. So we kind of hit a snag with assuming Brian would just go to Canada because that's what we've done several times. Canada. They go to Canada for... We usually go to Vancouver. It's close. It's safe. It's easy to get in and out. And they've been really good with us. Um, and so that was kind of just the first assumption. Like, oh, let's just go to Canada. And then we're just sitting around one morning like, oh, you kind of get lost in the shuffle of everything. You're like, wait, does this guy even have a Canadian visa? Because being <laughs> Americans, you're just like, oh, we just go across the border. And, you know, when we did this with Diego Rossi, it's like, oh, he's Italian. He has, or he's got an Italian passport. So Italians, we can just pay for a visa it's like seven dollars and you get it done within five minutes $7. but if by the way next time i'll chip in for ross's <laughs> uh, canadian visa um and so with brian's i was kind of seeing the same thing it was like oh we did this with rossi 
And then you realize that he only, uh, Brian only has an Uruguayan passport. So he can't just go into Canada. He's got to go through approval notice for them as well to go there. And that even takes longer than the U.S. visa. That takes around three to four weeks. This is delightful. <laughs> yeah. And so it was kind of a scramble at the last minute. Uh, we really wanted him here. I mean, the goal was to get him here and get him eligible for the Galaxy game. I mean, that was the idea. And... Um, it was coming down to let's we're going to either have to do this appointment at the consulate in Tijuana or we're going to have to send it back to Uruguay to Montevideo to do it at the consulate there. And we the reason why we don't want to do it to Uruguay is just because of the time it takes to get to Uruguay and then back. I mean, it's around 15 to 16 hours each way plus two to three days there. So I said eight to 10. It's actually 15 hours. No, yeah, it's much longer than you think. Yeah, Sorry, my apologies. I just thought it was long, but that is eternal yeah, and so, if, I mean, if it takes a day to get down there, a day to get back, plus three days being gone, and the amount of time he's missing training, then by the time he's back, like, he's dead. Like, and then, hello, Tijuana, to the rescue. Yeah. All right. And so we decided, hey, let's go ahead and give Tijuana a shot. And so... Many uh, people have said that. Yeah. I, <laughs> let's give Tijuana a shot. Let's get to the next segment. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so me and our athletic trainer, Miguel Morolongo, um, decided like, yeah, we'll go down and we'll take him to Tijuana. So we picked him up and we drove to Tijuana. We parked our car in San Diego and we did a nice little walk across the border and we got set up at the, uh, with the player, with the yes. player. So yeah, that's always a fun thing when we have to explain to players like, no, we're just going to walk across. Like it's pretty simple. And then, uh, we got set up at the away team hotel that the Cholos use. So it's right next to their stadium. Um, it's actually a really nice hotel. I was like one of my first times really being in Tijuana. So I Does really it have had, a casino in there? It's pretty. It's right I, next I, to the casino. I'll just say I've been to Tijuana recently a couple times and I loved it. And there's great food, lots of stuff to do, soccer team, lucha libre, gambling if that's your thing. Well, that's so. kind of cool with Cholos being right there. And yeah, that is, that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a great a cool resource. Yeah, resource. And they were extremely nice. Uh, several of our other coworkers had reached out to their counterparts there. And they had actually given us permission to go and use their training facility because we were planning and being there for three days. Um, and so, yeah, they were going to give us their training facility. They were going to give us all the things we needed, balls, cones, dummies, so that uh, our athletic trainer, Moto, could go ahead and put them through some workouts so that once he got back, he wasn't going to be out days and that he could still be ready for the Galaxy match. Unbelievable. But that's good thinking on your part. Um, and now you're going to go, this is going on with Diego Palacios. We wait to see when he'll be able to, but there's similar challenges, obviously, I yeah. would imagine. So, um, all right, I'm curious about one question because I know you guys are on the road and sometimes you had a recent road trip where there's like two games and you stay out there. I think it was the Colorado, Houston, was that right? Colorado, Kansas. Colorado and Sporting Kansas City. Going to happen again in a week. Yeah. All right, so preparing for that and looking at that, what are, what are the challenges there to get this team all together? No, they're going to be five days away from home where, and I've talked to Bob about it, and those are the moments where he there's there's positives there because you're, immersed with the club you're with guys you're in the same room as guys you're spending the night with the guys as you get ready for them so what are the challenges of getting everyone organized and ready to rock on that well th thankfully i'm not the only one that does this there's another team administrator here jeff huber he's jeff great huber. and so him and i work on both of this and make sure that nothing slips through the cracks especially on a wrong, long road trip like this we're gone for 10 days so we fly uh next friday we're going to orlando so we'll train friday night when we land in orlando we'll have the match on saturday We'll fly to Philly on Sunday, and we'll be off in Philly on Monday and resume training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in Philly. 
for our match on Saturday. But when you say they're off, it's it's still probably team activities going. There are people like, hey, I'm going to go see uh, yeah, the, the Ben Franklin, yeah, whatever, the Liberty Bell. Yeah, I mean, they're Philly, still, there's yeah, a lot to I'm go I'm sure into. that's what they'll be doing. <laughs> I want to see the Liberty Bell. <laughs> I've heard of maybe some bowling on Monday, maybe a movie. Sometimes guys just want to sleep. Like... I mean, sounds they, good to me. Especially after a game, like they're so tired, they can't sleep after games anyways. Like they're up until two or three in the morning. Sunday, it's kind of just like you're dead and you just want to sleep. So Monday, they might that's what they tell day. you, and yeah. they're out and they're going, "No, we're going. I can't sleep till three. <laughs> I kid, I'm kidding. Right. So. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> we know that. Look, you're the you one can, that has to talk to Bob. I know. We know that's so not the know, case. How successful how they are. But that's to me that is. Is challenging because you're off on the road, and then you it's you have to have this regiment, and everything has to kind of stay in in step with that. So I, I I've always been uh, really appreciative of what you guys do in that sense because it's thirty people, it's more than that. It's these guys on the road, and every, you have to kind of keep them all in 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 check. Yeah, I mean, the big for lack key, of a better word. Yeah, the big key there between Jeff and I is just organization and communication, just making sure that we're we are aware of all possibilities. And I, I mean, another part of our job is crisis management. I mean, we're there to be in, in case anything goes wrong, we're the point person to make sure it's fixed. And so, I mean, there's lots of preparation going into trips like this. You know, we're communicating with the other teams, administrators, we're communicating with airlines and hotels and buses that make sure that Hey, you know you're supposed to be the bus is supposed to be at the hotel at 2:30, so please be there by two. So it's just constant reminders of we can't let anything fall through the cracks because it just comes back on our shoulders. And if there was a, a flight alteration or there's a change, that's it's not like hey, I'm Mitch here and I need to get uh, from uh, Colorado to LA and I just need one ticket. No, no, it's unless it's a charter, which of course we 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 get that to another day with the the limitations of that and maybe that changes one day. But right now, this is the reality. Yeah. So I mean it. Yeah, if there's delays, I mean, we got delayed earlier this season for our match in New York City. I think our flight was delayed five hours, maybe maybe just under. And yeah, it's just like we're sitting there at the terminal. We're ready to board the plane and say, oh, your flight's delayed 30 minutes. It's like, all right, guys, 30 minutes. It's like, oh, actually, it's two hours. And it's like, we're all just sitting there. We're waiting. We're waiting. And then, yeah, it's like it's either, yeah, your flight's canceled. And then that's a communication with the league. It's a communication with um, blank on the name of. What do we call people that book flights for us? Uh, travel agent? Travel agent. Thank you. <laughs> We're in communication with our travel agents. We're in communication with the league, just letting them know. Because essentially in the league manual, you have to be in market 24 hours before the match. And you can get fined if you're not. And so, yeah, so you have to be prepared have for to all take these that things. Up with so, we, yeah, you just got to notify the league like, yeah, okay, we're two hours delayed. We're pushing four hours. If it goes past four hours, essentially the, you can request an emergency charter from the league um, and sometimes they're like, look, because it's not like planes are just hanging out in LA for chartered planes for people to use. They should be. Yeah. And so it's Where like, else, who else is going to need charters? Yeah. LA? Come on. Columbus, Ohio needs a lot of charters. That's true. <laughs> that, see, that's something you don't think about either. There's not, it's not like to all these markets, there's a direct flight all the time and there's a million flights. There's like one flight a day. Yeah. And so, I mean, the league could come back and say, look, we can, here are your options for flights. You can wait to see if this one's going to go through. The earliest we can get you a chartered flight is in 16 hours. So at that point, you're kind of like, there's a chance we could leave in the next hour, or we send everyone home, and we just wasted a day, wasted a day of training, and now we have to fly out tomorrow. Um, and then do we have to train there? Then we have to coordinate with the hotel and the buses and just make sure everything's Woo-hoo! back up that on track. That sounds delightful. Yeah. So <laughs> it actually happened earlier this year with Red Bulls, where they were flying from, Atlanta, I believe it was Atlanta back to New York, 
and their flight was delayed. It was delayed six hours that they were at the airport, and the leagues went ahead and got them an emergency charter. And so half the team decided that they were going to wait at the airport and try and get on the flight, and the other half said, we're going to go back to the hotel and sleep. And actually, the team that stayed, I believe the team that waited and got on the charter flight Got home. They got home pretty early in the morning, but they were in bed, and the chartered flight actually got delayed. And so the guys uh, that stayed and waited for the charter flight actually didn't get home until really late the next day when everyone else got in. I mean, still pretty late in the morning, but at least they're in their beds and they're at home. We feel you, Red Bulls. What's the Red Bulls you said, right? They're yeah. going to Atlanta, coming back. All right. We feel you. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. We've wanted to have you on for a little bit because, I honestly, we're not just being a new team two years around, but, like, not – Everybody knows this. I mean, you can have your team for international teams, European teams. Don't like their fans don't know how much really goes into yeah. transfers, moving guys around. And and when a transfer happens in Europe, it's usually very easy because it's the European Union. You guys are pulling guys like you said from Uruguay, you know, guys from Colombia. These are these are not easy transfers to do. So to to lay down all the red tape for us and tell us, I appreciate yeah, that. Five South American players. And yeah. I know they're all different because of passports and stuff. That's five South so American now players. So now people maybe people can have an idea to you know just. Lower the chatter a little yeah. bit. We're, we are yeah. always doing our best. and Well, it's especially harder with new teams. I mean, you think about it. We had no one here last year. We brought in 30 guys. And then this last this past offseason, I think we brought in 12 new guys. Like, there was a lot of turnover from the players' side of things. So, I mean, it's a, right now it's like I'm waiting for the offseason where it's like we have a really set team. We don't have expansion draft. And we lose guys. And now we can bring in guys. And it's like, oh, this offseason we're only bringing in two players versus 12 players. So, Well, guess what? There's an expansion draft coming up this two season. Two teams. And, and then the year. following and one. The and then probably year, the one so. after that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe someone will pick you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Was it – I think – didn't someone just get – one of the coaches got traded for GAM? Was it? I I read it somewhere that – Is I, Robin Freight – did they have yeah, to – Is that, was that a Colorado – Yeah, 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 yeah. it was. Yeah, discovery maybe, rights. Maybe I could be one of the first well, technical staff members traded. You had to self-report when we play uh, staff games. Mitchell has a knack for megging me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. Tzeka. He just. I, he just has this knack every time, and it's usually a pass meg too, which is like just the worst ones to. Yeah. You suffer those, and it hurts so bad. And I definitely let you know when it happens. It's a nice oh, little yeah. whisper in your ear. That was a meg. Yeah, you should. I, you need like a little That's bell, creepy. just like a little <laughs> ding every time it happens. You gave us some horror stories there. It's not really one that you could share. Horror stories. Quick one. I, yeah, I guess I won't. Like, I won't name players or what happens, <laughs> but it, it happens just to be another Tijuana trip, um, where <laughs> so said players, said players' girlfriend was her visa was expiring, and she wasn't allowed to fly into the United States, and so um, yeah, we we're going through what we can do with our immigration lawyer and everything, and. We found out that the visa that she had was really it's she couldn't come in ver, uh, via aircraft, and so it was kind of like, what do you mean via aircraft? Like, what you're telling me she could drive across the border? She could tell she could take a plane or she could take a boat across? Like, really? Yes. And he goes, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's an airport in Tijuana, right? Like, and they're like, yeah. I was like, so we could fly her to Tijuana and then literally just drive her across the border. Like, yeah, I guess, to me. I guess we could try it out. <laughs> Ridiculous. And so it was like one of those things where you're like, I guess let's go ahead and try it. And so we flew into Tijuana. Me and our assistant equipment manager drove down there. We walked across the border, took a taxi to Tijuana Airport, picked her up and got to the border. And we we're just like crossing our fingers. Let's hope this work. And 
they we told them we were a group that were traveling together and they said okay well we need to speak with her in a separate room I'm like oh great oh, we wow. waited outside for 45 minutes just waiting for the text of yeah i didn't make it through and then she just walks out the big smile on her face got her in the country and then uh and then she could she was, she was here and we were able to get her visa approved the next week but i mean just the thought of guys have girlfriends and their visas don't always get approved and just another thing, they're away from their family, and sometimes their family isn't even allowed to come in. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that just go I'm on. Glad, I'm glad I asked that so we could finish this on a real high note. What a <laughs> successful way to go, Mitch. Hey, good chatting with you. Well, thanks, guys. We'll see you around. around. Keep yeah. megging him as much as you like. We'll be right back on Inside LFC. We will be talking about the international call-ups. We'll talk about the MLS Cup playoffs have been announced. A lot to, to discuss here on Inside LFC. Welcome back to Inside LAFC, Max and Vince. We're going to talk about the FIFA international dates, which are here. They'll fall between September 6th, September 10th, 11th, I believe. Hey, what's on September 6th? September 6th. USA, Mexico? Yes. And? Ah, September 6th. It's my birthday. How was I supposed to know that? I don't even know my wife's birthday. I just wanted to put that out there. I, know my, I do know my wife's send birthday, presents, I miss a lot of birthdays. Send presents to the club. It's a, hey, I, you know what? This is on the website. Let me write that now. September 6th, blowout at the La Rosas. Yeah. It was just La Rosa. 35, if you can believe it. I made it this long. It's good, man. By the way, 30s, I'm 47. Cat's out of the bag. Oh. 30s are great. 30s, people getting loaded, but they're better than your 20s. 40s are really good, too. And I talked to my dad. He goes, 40s are great. How are the 50s? He's like, okay. Okay, so what you're saying is get it all in. 30s and 40s, you really next, are enjoying. You, next you're, 15 you're years. You're setting your ways. Someone's going to say, do this. Again. I know that. I already know what I know. All right, 15 years. Well, happy early birthday, but we'll, we'll get make it right when we get closer. So the international dates, and this was unbelievable for LAFC to see. I mean, look, there's going to be games missed. There's no doubt about it. But to see... Uh, how prominent LAFC are on international rosters. The U.S. Walker Zimmerman still in the mix. He gets the call up from Greg Berhalter. USA plays Mexico, and then USA plays Uruguay. Uruguay will have Brian Rodriguez on their roster. He made yeah. the full international team. And he's very excited about that. It's a big honor for him. Yeah, but you look at the guys he's playing with. Yeah. I mean, Uruguay is really impressive with the the talent they have. This is a big international date. So most, many of these teams are bringing out their best squads. Mark Anthony K for Canada again. I I know he he may not be he's excited, but it's been a grind for Canada with the Gold Cup and now the league's go the league. Um, yeah, if you look at they're playing Cuba home and away. There's a lot of guys that are excited. Which is a team they should beat, but it's right. yeah, yeah. well, there's guys that are excited and there's guys that are like we got to go and do work. I think Walker work. Walker falls into that camp. The U.S. team's got to do work. They have things that they have to do because they they need to really show something. And Canada, even higher up. I mean, after their performance of the Gold Cup, Mark Anthony's got to be looking at that and saying, guys, we've got we've got to show. And I know it's just Cuba, but they've got to hammer them. They've got to show that something. Which I think they did in the Gold Cup. They did in the Gold yeah. Cup, but they got to. They That's gotta, what I'm saying. They got already tired of they seeing have to Cuba. Do it, they have to do it and look good. Yeah. Um, Diego Palacios, which you have not seen in LFC, breaking into the Ecuadorian senior team is huge news. Yes. 
because it shows that this is a guy that's not just on LAFC's radar, but at Ecuador, who are a team that will be fancy to make a World Cup, have made World Cups recently, I think was 2010, maybe? I think they, they were 2014. They were they 2014? Okay, it was 2014. It's right there in the group with Honduras and France and Switzerland. It's all coming back. So that's a that's a and, they, and their youth team. They're under 23s winning the semifinals or they're, the under 20s made they the took semifinals. Third. They, they took, took the third. Bronze. This is a good program yep. that he is part of. And then finally, the one I'm most proud to see is Eduardo Tuesta, who's coming off the radar for Colombia, which is rich in talent and stars. Didn't make the senior team, but made the under-23s, which he should because he's 22. Yes, and he was a captain of the U-20s, and it's an Olympic year. So there's qualification for that. So I think And he's, he's going to participate there. I'd be yeah. interested to see how many minutes he logs in these these games for the under-23s. You can attest to this a little bit. I mean, you're not South American, but you know you've, you've been around the South American sports long enough. The Olympics are very, very important to South American soccer federations and cultures. And I think for him, if he's looking at it, he's going to say, I can possibly captain my country's team at the Olympics. The, there's no price you can put on We've that. We've all seen what Edouard does. So to see him make this makes a lot of sense. And, you know, playing at this level, not that he will make the senior Colombian team, but he's going to have to be considered because there's very few players. And I, we could say it's MLS. And can he do it? In Spain or in England, there's very few players that do what he does. Just such a clean player. And Carlos Vela would be the first to write a recommendation because those two have been joining the hip. So this is great news across the board. Anything grab your attention about the call-ups or any concerns about our schedule? Or No, I mean, the way it's looking, it, it, it'll probably just be one game for everybody. The only thing I would say, and again, very proud for Eduardo Atuesta, his travel is going to be rough. He's got to go to Brazil and Argentina. We just talked with Mitchell about how long that flight is to Uruguay. It's going to be a lot of travel for him. So he maybe might miss an extra game just because you get, you get guys, those travel days, they eat at you. They, they wear at your body, and then also you miss training. You lose a little bit of fitness. Yeah. So he's going he's gonna to be behind the eight ball a little bit, but I think at the same time, Bob has mentioned this numerous times when people said, oh, but you're going to miss the guy. He goes, yes, but this is so important to the players. Yeah, but he will be busy. You, Columbia, I mean, there's other guys no, he'll who get be called playing. up who yes. are not featured, and you become pretty static. Uh, idle hands. This is not going to be the case with Atuesta. The travel is the concern. But the travel is, is the concern, but he's going to be he's going to, the boost that he's going to receive. Think about just what you said where he's going. Brazil and Argentina. Yeah. Probably the two or the five or six best under-20s and under-23s anywhere yeah. uh, historically. You want to lay a marker for getting on that full Colombian team? You play well in these but games. I look at the Colombian team. It's mostly Colombian-based, but you have uh, a couple guys in Europe, one in Spain, and then a couple in playing in Mexico. So it's yeah. uh, Colombia's coming a long way. So it's good that Eduardo Tuesta is in the bloodstream there. You want to talk about the MLS Cup playoffs? Yeah, we could bring it up real quick. I, we, we were a little surprised by it. it yeah, I was today. excited about the playoffs, but then it came out, and there's still Major League Soccer doing its best to avoid the international dates, which they did here. But in order to do that, nobody's going to play for two weeks after the end of the regular season. And any playoff, and you talked about excited college football, no other playoff has that. And for obvious reasons, you don't want to lose the momentum. You don't want the players to get rusty. It affects the game, and it, it throws off the competitive imbalance because we looked ahead, and you said, like, LAFC will not play their first playoff game for two and a half weeks. 17 days? It's a long time. I mean, I would think we might even be considering scheduling a friendly. Maybe they'll have to play the staff guys here and just get well, a little run that around. Is, that is not going to help them whatsoever. <laughs> but that's, 
it's, you but can't. I would love, but I would love to go up against Latif Blessing, Edward Atwesta, Mark Anthony K. Bell there in the I mean, middle. They're, they're having training. They're just going to bypass me like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. I'm a traffic cone. I will have to talk to Bob about that. I mean, we'll get his thoughts. I'm sure it's, we'll be it's barred. not ideal. Max and I will be barred from training that day. But uh, it goes all in, and then the, the it'll start October. The last round's October 6th. The first playoff's October 19th. It's all done November the 10th. Mm-hmm. And November 11th is the official beginning of the next international break from FIFA. So they get it in there. It's just those first two weeks when I saw it, I wasn't really locked into the dates at that point but now that i see it in living color it's like it's a little bit of a downer it's just tough still to better s- than the old system it's, it's just a dumb, it's also a bummer because of what it puts another challenge on lafc well yeah no it's tough to swallow because we've all season we've been harping on get that number one spot there's just so many things that you get out of the number one spot and now it's like wait there's actually some drawbacks to getting that number one yeah. spot one I mean, positive is the winners of that first round have two days Right, so they'll be playing on less rest. They'll be playing on less rest. You'll know at the number one spot, you know you don't have to travel, so it's less rest, plus they have to travel. But, yeah, I just I don't understand. There's, there is just a little bit of punishment, not punishment, but there's just a little bit of a drawback yeah. from being number one, which there should be no drawbacks. You right. have every single, every single, uh, you know, I can't, I'm lost the word, every single good thing coming to you for it. One day maybe, you know, some people say that uh, Major League Soccer goes to the European calendar. And maybe this is something where you say, look, we tried our best and we could do it, but we it can't be perfect because of those two dates when we are wrapping up our season. It was There were so many breaks last year, for instance, and it takes away from all the, the buildup. But once you get the playoffs going, they're going to be going. Yeah. You're going to have an action-packed three weeks there where MLS playoffs are going in. It's just that two weeks, which basically if it hurts LAFC and let's say Atlanta if they finish first in the East or Philadelphia more than – anyone else because of the rust yeah i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt i think they'll still be great playoffs i think it's better than the format prior um we'll see if we'll we'll miss the the home and home i mean that's the traditional way to do it but i think these playoffs are still gonna be great if we if if lafc's match and a lot of these not just lafc's match but a lot of these rivalry matches if there are any indicators of the type of games we might see and the type of atmosphere we might see in these playoff games we'll be very happy yeah, I'm already excited. It's just gonna be, this is fun. Buckle in. This is going to be a great ride. By the way, all the international absentees for LAFC, now even more reason why you got to be thrilled that they kept getting those wins over the last two months and open that gap for the Supporter Shield and the bye because they can... Bingo. Yeah, they could be very creative as to how they play players here, knowing full well that the, the goal is very achievable with the right smaller amount of results. Not that they're going to skate by on any of these games but nope. you know they have some they have some easier decisions to make Bob said we have seven games remaining they want to win all seven there you go Very don't easy. miss a beat next game is Sunday Minnesota United if you can't get out to the stadium we highly recommend you do because why would you miss that after what happened last Sunday it's not the galaxy but it's always a good time you can watch it on YouTube TV we'll have coverage all day if you don't have YouTube TV it's awesome there is a ton of channels. If you like sports, you have everything at your fingertips. You have an unlimited DVR. You could share your sign-ins with your friends and family. They'll love you for it. Check out YouTube TV. Get it today. And you get LA, LAFC and all the programming that comes with it. Set up every LAFC game to be recorded. You can rewatch the games. Yeah. You can do a, some tactics talk I'm, with Max and Vince. I'm very happy with that cell right there. Yep. Yeah. All right, Vince. Uh, we'll see you soon. Uh, drop. See you on your, Sunday. See you on Sunday. I'll probably see, oh, that's right. I'm going to Colorado for two days. 
Yeah, you're going to Colorado. I'm coming back Saturday. Let's not talk. Let's talk about your fish experience up better. <laughs> we'll talk. I'll have some photos. Yeah, we'll talk when you get back. I'm sure I'll follow it on Instagram. You can do it too. By the way, I'm going to Colorado and they still have the prairie dog plague going on. So yeah. I might. Max is going to have to see see fish, which. And possibly we come back with looking like a prairie dog because he yeah, got the I'd rather plague. look like fish. Does it turn you into a prairie dog? What, yeah. what happens? That's a good name for a band, Prairie Dog Plague. Prairie but everybody put your hands together for PDP. One night only here. Playing of the Troubadour. Dick's Sporting Goods Park. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good place to, to duck out. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.